Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. <laughs> Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kel Wilson, not joined as always by Kevin Zerman, another special guest episode. This one, Vince Murata, co-host of Bickley and Murata on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station, also the PA announcer for the Phoenix Suns. Vince, hello. Thank you for joining me. Oh, Kel, it's a pleasure. I don't, I don't think we've ever done this. And if we have done it, it's been a really long time. So good to be back with you. So the la- one of the last times that Kevin was out, I had each show uh, come on with me. And do you, this was this will tell you how long ago this was, Vince, and, and what how things have changed. It was around the trade deadline, and it was that year the Suns didn't have a point guard. And I remember you, me, and Dan were talking about Mike Conley and just being like, so what if he makes a lot of money? He's a point guard. You need a point guard. <laughs> Who cares? But that, that, wow. that, was your, that was your last appearance on the podcast in quite a while. Think, a lot of things have changed. Uh, yeah, that's an understatement. And, uh, I, you know, at this point, I'm glad we said no to Mike Conley. (laughs) (laughs) It turns out, it turns out all of us were really, really wrong and should have seen it coming that they were going to get a even more expensive, much, 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 much better point guard. Uh, all right. So let's run through game five, a 110 to 80 Suns win a whole lot of good to get through in this game uh Vince the way that I wrote about it last night was just that it felt like the Suns were just trying to work through whatever they were trying to work through in the first half and then once that third quarter came everything kind of started to mesh together and that's when we saw really everyone contributing but but I just really felt like they got so many contributions up and down the board I thought Devin Booker was fantastic and, and I phrased it as the most important moment in their postseason so far with what he did in the first half scoring and keeping them afloat but I mean DeAndre in the third quarter, Mikel all across this game. Cam Johnson was great. Biz was great. Landry Shamit was great. Just a really well-balanced win for them, I thought. Yeah, I think so much of what we've talked about, Kellen, during this postseason already is, wow, the Suns don't look like themselves, or they're not playing Suns basketball. And uh, I agree with you. Last night, it felt like you know the depth of this team came out. Um, you know, guys stepped up, individuals that needed to play better, played better. Um, I think Cam Johnson is at the front of that list. Mikel Bridges has had a, a strange series, and I don't mean that as an insult, but uh, he looked like himself. And maybe it just boils down to in a big game five that that one storyline that people always talk about in the playoffs about you know the non star superstar players, role players, if you will. They play better at home than they do on the road. And maybe it was as simple as that, but uh, it was a very satisfying performance by this team, no doubt. Yeah, it, it was for sure. I, I know that a lot of fans were just really, really nervous coming into this game. I'm sure you were there with it just because you got two games, maybe three. Luca could explode at any time. They could hit 23s again in any game. And, and that kind of like volatility factor that Dallas has had a lot of people nervous. And not only that, but just with the way that the Suns played. The question I want to ask you is, to kind of take your unique perspective on the game, which is sitting closer than just about anyone, you've got the best seat in the house, is just the defensive pressure that the Suns were playing with. I've been fortunate enough to sit kind of close to where you were at, about two rows back uh, in Dallas. I'll be there again tomorrow night and, and the last two games. You really get a really good feel being that close for the athleticism and just how physical the game is. Watching it back, Vince, the the Suns defenders were just in everyone's grill, it felt like, right? Like, it felt like the defensive pressure was just at another level. Did you see the same thing up close? 
Yeah, not initially. I agree with what Monty Williams said, and a lot of players talked about that afterwards, is that first, uh, that first mandatory timeout, the under-seven timeout in the first quarter, Monty said it's good, but it's not great, the energy, and, and need to pick it up. And I'll be honest, going back to what you said, too, about Dallas and um, you know three-point shooting has been their strength in this series. I don't think there's any question about it. And they come out and they hit six of their first 12. And I got to the point where... I was like, all right, this is sustainable for them. And if they're going to shoot this volume of three-pointers and hit that percentage of three-pointers, you know that combination is lethal. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the defensive intensity picked up. And I think Dallas, you know, missing a couple of shots kind of gave the Suns a little bit more confidence defensively in going out and challenging the three. And I went back and I looked at their, their last 23 pointers. They hit two of those 20, and they had a hand in their face or, you know, a, a much more aggressive closeout on the vast majority of those. So, uh, yeah, that's what stood out to me defensively and um, just the intensity with which they played um, in, in that game to hold a team like that to 80 points, 34 points in the second half. I mean, that was that was quite the statement. I'm glad you brought it there in the first quarter of the conversation, because I thought this game was really really shined it was just indicative of the gap in talent between these two teams just because Mm -hmm. the way the Suns were able to really once they hit their gear Dallas was absolutely just gobsmacked for the third game in this series when the Suns have reached that gear of like if we're letter grading it like I've been doing on the podcast the last couple of weeks like a minus a a plus if they hit that a range it's just Dallas has absolutely no shot in these games and and we've really just seen that kind of come together but you're watching those first couple of minutes Vince and you're like Okay, Devin, you didn't close out on him again. Okay, Devin, you didn't close. Okay, Luca's going a bit. He's he's winking at people on on courtside seats. Like, okay, is this is this happening? Are are they really going to do this? And then, nope, they just found their gear in the middle quarters and went from there. Who, who was your favorite? What was your favorite individual performance, uh, Vince, from your perspective that that you liked? Because there are a lot to kind of go through that we that we already touched on a couple of names there. Who'd you like? Who stood out for you? For me, I mean, there was, a, like you said, there was a lot to choose from. And I think you hit on a key point with what Devin Booker did in stabilizing things, especially when Dallas got up in that first half. But I'm going to go with Mikel Bridges because what he does defensively um, and flashing, you know, that length and being a disruptor in passing lanes. And there was a couple of plays where he just stepped into passing lanes and created fast break opportunities, especially in home games. When that crowd needed a boost, Mikel Bridges, you know, defensively um, and then leading to offense kind of provided that boost. So I'm going to give it to him. And there was a couple of times, too, where, you know, I think one of the Suns' strengths offensively, something that they can hang their hat on is, you know, when they've got their starters in, you have four-fifths of that starting lineup that will kill you from the mid-range. And Mikel Bridges has joined that group this year. And that right-to-left dribble across the lane or that little turnaround from 13 to 15 feet for him has become nearly automatic, and we saw that more last night. So both ends of the floor, I was really encouraged with what I saw from Mikel. Yeah, I I loved that Mikel performance, and it just kind of seemed to – he was the guy that really needed that type of game just to kind of maybe remind himself like the type of impact that he can have on a game. So I'm going to stray left a little bit here and bring up Landry Shamit, but I don't know how much of uh, Miami you've been watching in the postseason, Vince, if you've caught a game or two, but they've pretty much benched Duncan Robinson and have been playing Uh Max Struess over him. And, And the main difference that I've seen between those two guys and just watching the games is that Duncan Robinson is just as good of a shooter. Maybe he's better even in the flow of the offense, but Struess is, is a bit of a better defender, but he also just gets his fingerprints on the game. 
And that was something that we didn't see from Shamit enough in the regular season is that when his shot was not falling or Vince, most of the time, he wasn't taking shots. We, he'd play those 12 minutes and just have two shot attempts. But then we look at what he did tonight. He had eight points and four assists, which I, like I tweeted, it felt like 800 points just because of the way that he was playing, the way that he was impacting the game on both ends of the floor in that Mikel Bridges way when they don't need to score points to just be extremely effective and make their presence felt on the game. That was the most impactful game that Shaman has played as a member of the Suns, I think, by far. I know he's had a couple of huge shooting games, but in terms of what he was doing, kind of running the offense, running a pick and roll here and there, picking up Spencer Dinwiddie full court, like he was doing a lot on the court there. And it just kind of went from the shift, Vince, of a poor play from campaign consistently to that type of contribution. It was such a vast difference that it's kind of hard to quantify how much of a difference it made for the Suns overall. And, and I thought it was really gutsy of money to go away from campaign. I know some people might roll their eyes at that because 10 games, he shot 31% and 15 from three. You think you'd sit that guy automatically, but they need campaign to get to the finals. And I'm sure we'll see him again in the Western Conference finals if they get there because they just need his pace of play. I say that right now, Vince, but if you get that type of Shamit, not that high of a level, of course, but somewhere around there where he's just making plays all over the place and doesn't need to be the 40% shooter to be a plus on the court, then then I don't know. Maybe they don't need campaign because Shamit looked fantastic. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a great point. He was very instrumental. His aggressiveness stood out. Um, you know, there was some possessions where he got the assignment on Luca, and I thought for being undersized and who isn't really undersized in that position against Luca, he really held his own and, and he, he offered more resistance than campaign did. But um, you're right. If he can impact the game like that, maybe campaign uh, you know, moving on in the playoffs, you know, if the Suns get past the series and into the conference finals or finals campaign, maybe becomes a, a luxury for Monty Williams, which might be enough to unlock him because if you go back to last year, I mean, Cameron Payne was so instrumental to what they did. I mean, he won two games as a starting point guard in the Western Conference Finals. People forget that, but he's really struggled in the playoffs. He might need something like that to unlock him and, and take that pressure off. And one of the plays um, that I really loved uh, from Shamit last night turned out to be free throws, but it, this was kind of a snapshot of how aggressive he was. He tried to end Maxi Kleba's life on a dunk <laughs> attempt. He did. <laughs> And, and Kleba fouled him and he got to the free throw line. But I mean, that place would have exploded had had Landry connected on that. And I think, you know, and, and people who've watched the Suns this season, uh, that's one of the things that I think was a surprise about Landry Shamit was just the amount of lift and explosion he has when he makes up his mind he's going for a dunk. Uh, look out below because he's had some 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 highlights. So I think that was kind of an indication of just what his mindset was last night. And it could not have come at a bigger time. Could you imagine, Kellen, if if Monty makes that tough decision to go away from pain and gives the keys, so to speak, to, to Landry Shamit and he struggles, there's that feeling of like, uh-oh, what do we do now? Do we go further down the depth chart to Aaron Holiday? But uh, thankfully that didn't happen because Shamit really answered the call. Well, and I asked Monty today after practice, I was like, what was your – comfort level with playing Landry in a role where he's running the offense where he's barely done that for you guys this year and then Monty just was honest and was like I don't think there was any comfort level especially because it was in the playoffs but we yeah. just had to we had to try something and to your point like if that goes wrong like he's just getting buried probably for putting Shaman in that type of position we've rarely seen him in but he knew what he was capable of and knew Shaman was going to play confidently and it was just a heck of a move by him looking at the other side 
Vince, you talk about a tale of two tapes here between Dallas and here. These are some crazy numbers for Dallas. So Dorian Finney-Smith is two of six from the field, two of five from three. Those two threes I brought up for Booker, those were Dorian Finney-Smith. So after that, in the first, what, four minutes of the game, he was he was shut out in this game. Reggie Bullock yeah. goes 0 for 5 and 0 for 3 from 3. So they combined to take 11 total shots and make two. If you go back to game four, Finney-Smith, of course, goes 8 of 12 from 3. Bullock goes 2 of 5. They attempt 17 three-pointers on their own. And then it was even worse in game four or game three for the Suns, where those two combined to go eight of 21 from three. So they attempted 21 threes total. So if you add up those two games, they took 38 combined threes, just those two guys, or sorry, 28 or no 38. Yeah. 38 combined threes over the course of two games. And they took eight in this game. And and it was most of their shots that they took. They were really able to stifle this uh, Dallas offense, particularly with, you, you see those possessions, Vince, where the initial ball screen comes and then nothing's really happening. And then it's like, okay, Jalen Brunson, Luka Doncic, or Spencer, didn't we? are just going to try and score on their own now. And that's music to the Suns' ears. Doncic had two assists in this game. Jalen Brunson had two assists in this game. Didn't what he had one. They had nine as a team. Uh, the team had nine assists to 16 turnovers on this box score. I'm pretty sure it was 18 overall in, in the legit box score outside of ESPN, but it, it just seemed like the defensive game plan, Vince, that we were kind of looking for was there because I, I don't know if I've seen a more uncharacteristic performance by the Suns than game four when it just seemed like defensively you couldn't even tell what they were trying to do. It just it yeah. was all over the place, and, and they just really figured it out last night. Well, I think it was twofold, and credit to the Suns for for, for ratcheting it up on, on that and floor, and I agree with you, but it was also a kind of, to me, the way Dallas reacted to when they started to miss threes it was that uh-oh moment. Uh-oh, what do we do? Like we've leaned so heavily on on open threes and they're not there anymore. You're right. It turned their offense is so hard to watch. I I really I can't stand it. Oh, oh, I vented about it on game one. It, After game one, I vented about how like I cannot have this turn into basketball. This switch hunting, dribble, dribble, dribble stuff. Oh, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. And, and you remember the two games, I think it was in November when Dallas came in and Luca missed both of those games that the Mavs and Suns played back to back games with a day in between and, and Brunson was featured heavily and it was just pounding the hell out of the basketball dribble, dribble, dribble. So I think not only did the Suns improve, but Dallas, I thought offensively they packed. I mean, that third quarter, I don't know if there's a way to search it, but it might have been the worst team assist to turnover ratio in a quarter in NBA history one assist and 12 turnovers they had you mentioned it nine assists for the game that's the lowest assist total in any NBA game for a single team in six years and and the list of, of teams that have done that is not very long you'd have to go back to like you know the the early 2000s when everybody was just beating the hell out of each other to find assist totals that low so uh, Suns improved, and I think they can hang their hat on what they did in Game Five moving forward. But I also think Dallas turtled, and they didn't really have an answer for that kind of intensity. Yeah, we we got to see what Dallas does offensively here in Game Six. Dwight Powell only played eight minutes in this game. I think he might just be done. I think they might just start Maxi Kleba going forward from I think here. You're right, just in the, in a do or die game, but offensively what can they get going for their scores as well because that's actually an interesting twist in this game is they score 80 points but Jalen Brunson 9 of 17 21 points his isolation game was going really well this whole game 
at least for him. But then again, two assists, four turnovers, so the Suns don't care. They'll take that every time. How much are uh-huh. they able to really get their shooters going in this game, and how much are they going to be able to get Luka and Brunson sort of downhill? Because the Suns were showing help, but they were doing so very late in the clock. So can the can Dallas – seek that out and look for it early. But then again, Vince, why do they want them to do it early? Because they want the pace to get up there because Dallas is playing a really, really slow basketball game here. So I, I don't really know in terms of what Dallas wants to do to counter this going forward. I know that if they see the same defense they did in those middle quarters, they're going to lose tomorrow. The Mavericks will lose. The Suns will win and they will advance to their second straight Western conference finals. But from that perspective, I don't, I don't really see it now the great thing for the Suns is they win that game by 30, Vince, and Chris Paul didn't really play that well again. Where, where uh-huh. are you at on the entire discussion here with him in terms of – do you see wear down effect from him right now? What are you seeing? I'm, I'm mixed on it. Um, I think it was encouraging, Kellen, that you know the Suns were able to we, – we've seen them lean so heavily on Chris Paul during these playoffs on numerous occasions, and he's delivered. And not consistently, but when he's delivered, it's been spectacular. Um, the games three and four in Dallas from, from Chris Paul's standpoint, kind of inexplicable. I mean, it's just one of those weird, um, you know, things that have followed him in his career in the playoffs. Uh, and they were puzzling performances the, the turnovers in game three, and then the, the foul trouble, I think affected him. And I, I tend to think too, that Chris Paul was pretty aware of what was going on with his family and the harassment that they were getting, uh, during the course of the game, because he was so out of sorts. So I think it was encouraging that the Suns won so easily uh, without having to lean heavily on Chris Paul to take over like he has in this series and in the New Orleans series. But yeah, would I, would I be, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have some concern because, you know, his bread and butter offensively is getting to his spot, uh, getting to that right elbow. He took one right elbow jumper last night and missed it. He took one from the left elbow and made it. He took more three pointers than elbow jumpers. So and there was just a couple possessions that optically looked strange where, and, and I, I got to credit Dave Burns, uh, our afternoon host on 98.7 FM Arizona sports station. He, he termed it pretty perfectly. There was just a couple of possessions where it didn't look like Chris Paul had a plan. Uh, yeah. And it's so, so shocking to see. Now I did say this uh, and I do believe this. Uh, and I think the Suns, um, you know, uh, they're so adept at closing out on the road. And I think it, if it happens tomorrow night in game six, it's going to be a close game where clutch time minutes are involved. And if that's your situation, I'm still betting on Chris Paul every single time just because I think he's that type of player. And maybe they, they lightened the load last night and he didn't have to take over uh, and, and that frees him up. Uh, I, ha- I have some concern, but I'd still bet on Chris Paul going forward. Me too. Uh, I just think he's going through a rough playing patch and it happens for a lot of players and he's had a couple this season and he's just having one right now in the playoffs and we're not used to seeing it from him because he's been, he was pretty much superhuman during their entire run uh, last year, even through all of his injuries and stuff and didn't really have a sequence like this of games and we're seeing it and that's okay. The the play that I saw uh, Vince was in the, either the second or the third quarter where he got a switch, Davis Bertans was on him, and it was one of those moments where Bertans is kind of in no man's land where he wants to switch back onto his man, but he also needs to stay with Chris Ball. So he stays with him. Chris Ball dribbles from the left wing, going diagonally kind of towards the right side of the floor, getting into the key. That's when Bertans switched back onto his man. And I think it's like Dinwiddie is on Chris Ball, and he's about 14 feet from the basket. Bertans is switching onto DeAndre 
So we know what should happen from there. Chris should stop. He should find a passing lane to DeAndre and feed him. And he has made that pass to him 3,000 times probably already Mm -hmm. when you count practices and everything. And then Chris just sort of went up for a shot and like kind of double clutched it and missed. And I was just like, we hold him to such a high standard because we should, because he's Chris Paul. But it's like, that is a Chris Paul special right there. He always makes that read. He always makes that pass and he didn't. And just to see him not once or twice in a game when he it's a 99.8% success rate was just one of those things where I was like, huh, okay, we'll write that down in the back of the head. And for now, continuing to give him the benefit of the doubt 100%. But again, if, we, if we're if we talking about this after game six, Vince, and we're talking about a game seven all of a sudden, that's when, you're, that's when we really start talking like the conversations I think a lot of people are having after game four, which is, okay, they need Chris Paul. Like we'll, we'll get there in game seven, maybe, but, but I don't think we're there right now. Yeah, I I agree with you, Uh, and I also agree with you that if we're talking about it after Thursday night's game in in Dallas, that just builds the pressure because you know it as well as anybody, Kellen. Chris Paul is in this category almost unto himself where, you know, the experts and everybody around the country is like, oh, man, he's he's one of the best point guards of all time. But, and that but that follows the three dots is always, where has he been in the playoffs? He's got this long list of injuries in the playoffs or ineffectiveness in the playoffs. And yeah, I think if that's still a storyline going into game six or after game six, uh, you want to talk about a pressure cooker on Sunday at Footprint Center that he's going to be right in the middle of and all eyes on him. Um, again, I'd still bet on him. Maybe I'm dumb, but I'd still bet on him in that situation. Looking at game six, Vince, what is the number one thing when you're watching at home as a fan that you're going to be watching out for? And just like whether it's a thing that you'll feel good about if you see in the next couple of minutes or you feel bad about if Dallas is doing it, what are you looking at early on in the game? I think it's got to be the Suns weathering the storm. I think it's going to be really emotional in there. And you've been at the both games in Dallas. And, you know, I know Bickley has been there and I talked to him about it. And the energy was really good. But I think the Suns um, – and it might not matter because I the Suns are the better basketball team. But I think the Suns gave Dallas a lot of uh, what could be artificial fuel going into game six with the Devin Booker comment about the Lucas special, um, you know, with Biombo ruffling some feathers, going for a dunk uh, with two seconds left in a 28-point game and that leading to ejections and a couple guys had to be separated. I wonder about that during the course of a series. Because I flip it, and and if those things happen to the if the Suns were down by twenty eight, the Mavericks did those things. <laughs> I would be like, <laughs> okay, good. The Suns can use this as fuel. So I'm I'm wondering what Dallas can do to capitalize on that. And I think they'll come out, and I think they'll have a hot start. But I think it's also incumbent on the Suns to weather that storm, both from the crowd energy and I think the energy they're going to get from the Mavericks very early in that game. And if they can do that, I, I think they're in really good shape because, you know, when you burn hot like that and adrenaline's flowing, you know, adrenaline doesn't last for 48 minutes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, if, if the Suns can, like, stay close, um, I, I think they're in really good shape. So that's what I'll be looking for early in that game. Did you see who's not officiating today? Oh, man. Uh-huh. Let me yeah. guess. <laughs> we, we, we might be getting it tomorrow. We might be getting it. The big Scott Foster game. Can I'll we never hurt? Can Go we ahead. talk about this? Yeah. Yeah. Scott Foster is in the heads of the Suns fan base, like, like nothing I've ever seen before. And I know there's, there's like these internet sleuths that are trying to figure out where he is and all this. Um, You, you can't deny the, 
the history, the playoff history of Chris Paul games with, uh, that he's played in with Scott Foster. I mean, it's, it's a fact, and that's why this whole thing exists. But for as controversial a, a, and as visible an official as Scott Foster is, he would offer an upgrade in the officiating to what we've seen in this series. <laughs> I think game five, and obviously in a 30-point blowout, you can't really look at officiating as a factor. But even when that game was in doubt, there was a couple of questionable calls. But I think David Guthrie's crew did a pretty decent job in game five and kind of quieted that criticism. But game two in Phoenix, when there was no flow to that game in the second and third quarters with the offensive fouls, and what we saw uh, in the treatment of Chris Paul in, in game uh, four, four yeah. Yeah, uh, was – one of the most puzzling things I've ever seen. So Scott Foster gets in the heads of Suns fans, but at some point you're going to have to win a game with him in, in the playoffs uh, as the official. And and the sooner it happens, the better. Just let, let's just kill that narrative. And if it's, if it's tomorrow night, so be it. Yeah. I wanted to bring it up just because of the possibility that could happen. Yeah. I had this type of discussion after game five with John Bloom, where I talked about how much I hate talking about the officiating and how I rarely bring it up, but I felt like I had to bring it up because the Suns were dealing with this. The refs were just getting in their heads for those two games in Dallas. I saw it up close. There was no denying it was happening. And even early on in the, in the Phoenix, uh, the game in Phoenix uh, last night, game five, I was still like, eh, okay, like there's, they're kind of talking to them a bit long here. Like they're kind of, they're kind of trying to earn calls here and there. Uh, but we'll see in terms of that regard. I, I phrased it as, and I think this is a bit strong, but sort of a mental block. And that's kind of what you're getting at Vince, where you just got to win a game with Scott Foster officiating eventually. And it's just kind yeah. of getting past whatever it is there, whether it's playing a different, a, not a different style, but just keeping yourself out of those situations. Like the the two fouls that Chris got, I mean, the sixth one was terrible in, in game four, but the fifth one is just like, you can never try that when Scott Foster is officiating you. You just got to know what you're getting yourself into there. And of course, yeah. should Chris have to do that? No, he shouldn't have to, but hey, that's just the situation we're in. And I'll never forget Vince when I was, going to get my COVID testing done the day before uh, in Milwaukee, the day before game six. And I walked out of COVID testing and in walked Scott Foster. It had not been announced yet, but I, <laughs> I, I got eyes on him and I was like, Oh boy. Oh boy. my, Oh boy. I, I just, I was just ready to like mute Scott Foster on Twitter to your point and just all that kind of stuff. Like I just don't want to hear about this guy ever again, but we're bringing him up because it could be possibly tomorrow. I'm looking at a, uh, Vince is a very like cliche basketball term, but finishing out possessions, the Suns only gave up two second chance points in game five after giving up at least 15 in the three games prior to that. And then when you just mm-hmm. look at the way that they were able to flow together offensively, they just didn't really get stuck in those types of possessions where they're shooting with seven, six, five, four, less than eight seconds on the shot clock. I thought they were really doing well in their offensive flow in that regard. And then defensively, not allowing offensive rebounds. They were keeping, they were winning the turnover battle as well, finishing those possessions. So just keep an eye on how possessions are flowing in this game, because if we're playing a really slow pace, that means Dallas's defense is better. And that also means that their offense is really getting to what they want. And, and perhaps if they're getting those second chance points, it's a different story, but uh, we'll see. I don't have a prediction for this game, Vince, to you. I'm clueless still on this team right now. I have no idea what's going to happen on a night night basis anymore. You don't, I always say this and people are probably sick of hearing me if they listen to our show in the mornings, but in a playoff series, every game is a snowflake. And I think that's even been, <laughs> uh, you know, magnified this year because you, you're right. You don't know what you're going to get 
from from the Suns. Uh, and if they show up like they did in the third and fourth quarters last night, we're going to be previewing uh, gold, uh, the Golden State or Memphis series. And I think it's going to be Golden State going into the Western Conference Finals. But you can't count on that. Um, the Suns have not, um, th- this was not the playoff run, the ease of the playoff run that they had last year when they reeled off nine wins in a row in the playoffs. I, and I think Suns, you know, the Suns fan base got a little bit spoiled by that too. Um, in terms of the rebounding, to go back to the point you made about rebounding, um, I, I don't know why I was thinking about this on my drive home from, from uh, the arena after game five, but I kind of eliminated the Suns from the mix because the Sun. One of the most frustrating things about the Suns Pelicans series was uh, the Pelicans just dominating the boards, both yeah. defensive glass and offensive rebounds. And you, you walk away from that series going, "Uh oh!" And I've said this all season long, Kellen. If the Suns don't win a championship, rebounding is going to be a big reason why. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of put what the Suns have done in this series. Could you imagine what New Orleans would have done on the boards against Dallas? The Mavericks are one of the worst rebounding teams I've ever seen. (laughs) They, they, I mean, I know it's all part of the scheme and they don't have a ton of size. They don't have a true center, but the Suns have pounded them on on the glass, just dominated every game. We might've seen the biggest, uh, had the, had the Pelicans found a way to get past the Suns. And this is apropos of nothing, of course, but we might've seen the biggest, um, rebounding differential in an NBA playoff series ever. So I think that's something the Suns can, can hang their hats on again and continue to exploit is, you know, the, the percentage of, of defensive rebounds that they're getting, keeping them off the glass. And there was a couple of opportunities last night, but it was pretty minimal. Uh, and if they can do that again, I, I think they'll be in, in pretty good shape. So to your point, DeAndre in this postseason, his high for offensive rebounds in the game is six. That came in game four, and then he had four uh, in game three. So actually in those two games where he felt fairly invisible, that's when he was offensive rebounding the most. But other than that, it's been three or less. I think he's due for one of those six, seven, eight games. And to your point, uh, this Dallas team certainly allows it. The couple that he had last night, it didn't even feel like he had to do much. Like he had to tip the ball to himself, really. And and that was it. Um, The last note I'll give is that the last two potential closeout games the Suns have had, 2-2, they win game five, they go on the road. Booker's 47 in L.A., uh, and then Chris Paul's 41 in L.A. Uh, I don't remember the exact number of points that Chris had, but it was that I think it was 41 against the Clippers, yeah. yeah I think it was that it was like 27 in the fourth quarter or something. Like It was just yeah. a, a ridiculous number and like one of the greatest like shooting displays that I've ever seen because they just had – you could tell that like just the amount of mental – I am not not going to the finals. Like, we are going to the finals. I'm done with this. Enough. Like, just the enough in his yep. performance was awesome. And those two guys are on this team tomorrow and playing. So, uh, Dallas is in for something, but we've seen the way that Luca has played as well. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the game a lot. Very excited to be covering it. Vince, thanks so much for coming on. Bickley and Murata, 6 to 10 a.m. Uh, Arizona time. If you're a listener, by the way, from not Arizona, we have the Arizona Sports app on, on all your cellular devices. We have the ArizonaSports.com. You can listen to the shows uh, from there. Vince, I had someone who uh, tweeted me the other day when I was on, I think you guys are Wolf and Luke or something, and just said, like, they were a listener from Hong Kong, and they wanted to say, like, great insight or something. I was like, what? Hong Kong? <laughs> Isn't, Isn't that, that crazy? When, when you hear that? Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Uh, anything else to promote, Vince? Uh, I want to promote you, actually, uh, and, and you may be embarrassed by this, but I don't care. Uh, when you asked me to do this, I knew I was going to be at the end of like a marathon couple of days, but I said, absolutely. 
uh, because you know during during the season and during the playoffs, you know, anytime we ask, you're there for us in the morning and really enjoy the conversations. And I just want to say that, um, man, I'm I'm proud of what you've done in in, in the last four or five years and in, in covering the Suns and becoming probably the most respected Suns writer in, in the entire uh, Valley market. Um, and you did it at a time when the Suns were not exactly must-read content. So <laughs> uh, I just want to say congratulations to you for for doing what you've done. I I love your coverage, uh, the way you look at the game. I think it's awesome. And you know, I was still pretty instrumental in working in the web department at ArizonaSports.com when you came aboard, and I was like, let's see what this Kellen guy's all about. And here, all these years later. We got our answer, man. You're killing it, and I'm proud of you. And uh, our listeners are lucky, to, or our listeners and readers are lucky to have you. Thank you, man. I, I really do appreciate that. Yeah, that's that's the only thing that I really want to hear is that if you can tell how much I, I love basketball when you're reading or writing my stuff or listening to my stuff, then that's that's mission accomplished to me because I, I just I just really love this sport. I love it at every level, but obviously at the highest level is when it's at its best. So whenever I hear that, it always makes me turn a little red and, and get a little squ- and good. Just, just feeling great. I appreciate that, Vince. Thank I'm you. Pumping my fist right now. Mission accomplished. <laughs> I, I got Kellen to, to blush a little bit. Yeah, we did it. We made Kellen feel uncomfortable at attention about himself, just like it has been for the last like 36 hours. What after Ernie Johnson said my name and all this crazy stuff that's happened uh, in the last day. Holy smokes. All right. We're going to get out of here, folks, before anyone else can say anything nice about me. If someone else is going to pop on the Zoom or something. Enough of this. I've had enough, I say. All right, everyone. We'll be back after game six. Vince, thanks again. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Thank you, Kellen.